All right, now here to kick off the show is our resident director of instruction, Tom Patrick. You can visit him and improve your game this winter at his new indoor facility, which has all the latest gadgets and technology at his home down in Naples, Florida. We no longer need to wonder where in the world Tom Patry is each week because he is back home in Naples, much to the chagrin, I'm sure, of Mrs. Patry. Next week, he begins work at his new winter home course at Crown Colony Golf and Country Club in Fort Myers, spring training home of the Boston Red Sox. If you won't be anywhere near the west coast of Florida but still want to get lessons from one of the all-time great instructors, you can download the V1 video app and send Tom videos of your golf swing, and he'll respond back to you with all kinds of great content about how you can fix your swing. Or you can send him a question on his website, tompatry.com, where you can also subscribe to his newsletter. Tom is also a member of the Titleist Leadership Advisory Board, has his own show Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Instagram Live with some really wonderful guests. Last week, Billy Harmon was absolutely outstanding, and so was Tom as the host. And today is Tom's birthday. Happy birthday, TP. Chrissy Boyne! <laughs> Happy birthday, my boy. What are you, what, 72, 73, or is that just your swing speed now? I can't remember. Oh, that's very cute, Chris. That's very cute. Chris, I'm, I'm 62. I'm 62 today. I look like 26. And, and of I course you do. I'm swinging the day over 30. So let, wait, let's get, you know, let's get right to it here. Let's go. <laughs> Now, I mean, the biggest question to me is, what the hell are you doing on the radio with me tonight on your birthday? You should be out. Someone should be doing something special for Tom Patrick. I mean, me, he's one of the greatest of all time. You, let, me, let, me, let me just tell you how much I think of you. Not only is it my birthday tonight, and right now at 8 o'clock when you drag me on this show, the Yankees are about to play the Rays the second game of the series, Okay. And and it's kind of like where's Waldo? Where's Boston right now? Okay, just just keep that in mind. So how much do I love you to not be in front of the TV right now for the opening swing, and and, and on my birthday? I mean that that's got to tell you something about our relationship, does it not? Come on. It does absolutely. And go Rays, by the way. Hopefully they can get get that three straight wins and get this ridiculousness kiss, over with. But kiss, yeah, kiss, hey, I appreciate kiss, you, Tom. Kiss, kiss, kiss my what? I'm sorry. What'd you say? <laughs> Ah, uh, 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 you're the best, my friend. I'm so honored that uh, that you would think enough of me to I be here you. on I your love birthday. You. I love you. Uh, right back at you, my friend. All right, so let's let, let's get into a little bit. And I want to talk uh, about your new uh, winter home course there at uh, at Crown Colony in Fort Myers because I, I went out on the website and uh, did the flyovers uh, for the golf course and, and hey. Beautiful looking place, typical Florida looking golf course. Um, tell me your your uh, your thoughts as uh, you get ready to uh, take up residency there over the winter. Well, thanks, Chris. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm really excited about about this opportunity. I, I uh, you know I I got approached for the job while I was on the road this summer and and kind of through an interview process, you know, took the job sight unseen, hadn't been on the facility. Obviously, did my due diligence and called a bunch of guys, got their thoughts about the club and about the facility and about the golf course, and it was all thumbs up. So I, you know, I went ahead and 
we, we came to an agreement, and I'm, and I'm really, really happy I'm there, especially happy now since I've now visited the facility this week for the first time. I start October 15th, but I, uh, I went up this week. I met with the board, just a great group of people. Um, Dave Kent, the GM there, is a, is a wonderful guy who really initiated this process. Uh, and, I, and I got to ride the complete golf course uh, in the morning, and I went and played nine holes in the afternoon just to get a feel for it myself. And my first impression, Chris, is man, it's not it's not an easy golf course. It's a you know it's built through a, a series of estuaries and, and and really natural looking areas that they've carved out. Um, it's a, it's a really difficult driving golf course. I mean, you've got to drive the golf ball, uh, you know, pretty pretty darn straight. Um, it, it's it's not an easy golf course, and and uh, and I I you know played on a relatively calm day, so I can't even imagine. You know, if we get some winter wind down here, you know what it's going to be like. But you, you've got to be able to control your golf ball. You're not going to have a very pleasant experience. It, it's a really good test. So I'm really happy about that. The practice facility is beautiful. Um, they're actually building uh, a private back tee for me as we speak, which I, I didn't even ask for, which just tells them tells me, you know, their commitment to me. So I'm really happy about that. And they want to actually get my thoughts on expanding that area back there into a more complete uh, private practice area with a short game area eventually in the next year or two. So, uh, thumbs up. Um, really looks good. I'm excited about it, and, and it should be a heck of a winner. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, as I was looking at the golf course, Tom, and I know, you know, a couple of my buddies would be out of golf balls by the time they got to the par five sixth hole, and and I'm sure some of those screened in porches would have a little extra golf ball size hole in them. But um, you go all the way into the back nine. I mean, the 10th hole has got a continuous bunker all down the right-hand side. 11th hole with the bunkers down the left-hand side. It's got an island green. Um, yeah, it's a pretty impressive golf course. So I'm looking forward to hearing uh, more of your impressions as you get an opportunity to spend more time. But uh, kudos to uh, to Crown Colony for what they've put together there. Well, thanks, Chris. And, and, and as, as always, I'm going to make this offering as I do at the beginning of every winter, and I get waved off on this thing uh, in typical Boston Red Sox fashion. But I'd like to have <laughs> you come down and play golf with me this winter and, and, and spend a couple of days and enjoy the place. Maybe we can do a live broadcast from Crown Colony together. Ah, I love the idea. I'll see what I can do, my friend. Yeah. It, it sounds fantastic. Let's make it happen. All right. All right, so moving on a little bit, I want to get your thoughts on uh, on Sergio Garcia and what we saw from him this past weekend at the Sanderson Farms Championship. We learned that Sergio yeah. has started putting with his eyes closed. And, you know, look, I've heard of guys looking at the hole the whole, t- the whole time when they're putting. I've never heard of somebody closing their eyes when they're putting. Your thoughts on what you saw from Sergio? Well, it's interesting you say that, Chris, because two of the things that I, I've done in my own career when I was still playing, uh, two of the drills I did was putt looking at the hole and, and putt with my eyes closed. I've, I've also played a tournament or two with my eyes closed way back when. And usually we do that with guys, and I did it with myself, when, you know, I, I, I found myself looking at my backstroke or trying to look at my stroke during the action or getting, you know, getting um, non-target oriented. So, you know, we, you know, you always want to be target oriented when you play the game of golf. It is a target game. It's not a ball game. Sometimes we confuse that. So I've, I've done that myself and with success. And I still use that drill with a lot of my students. So uh, although maybe some of the golf world thought it was unusual, uh, I'm sure he clearly went to that because, you know, he found himself getting a little bit too much ball bound or, or mechanically oriented and wanted to free up things a little bit. So 
it didn't really surprise me. And by the way, it putted beautifully. Uh, but the thing that really impressed me, I, I turned it on, so I got to watch the back nine on Sunday, which uh, it's rare because I'm, I'm, you know, not working right now. Thank goodness I got a little break here. And I watched the back nine, but the, the way he played 18, a 482-yard par four, drive it down there beautifully and just absolutely flag it, you know, to, to a foot or two, I mean, was, was pretty damn impressive, if you ask me. So let's extrapolate out for Sergio's career, Tom, because uh, one of the things I heard today, guys talking on the radio about Sergio's career, is that um, he's a no-brainer Hall of Famer. Is he? So, Chris, I, you know, I did a little research. Because I, I, you know, you, you texted me earlier today and asked me about that as a question for tonight, potentially. And, um, you know, I've always been pretty impressed with his career. But after looking at some things, and I'm just going to, you know, read down a list of things I've written down here as notes, um, things I wasn't really sure about, especially not to this degree. Um, you know, he, he's, he's won 36 professional times. And I think, you know, one of the things we, we miss when we talk about the Hall of Fame is it's not called the Hall of Fame anymore. It's called the, the World Golf Hall of Fame. And as Americans, sometimes we lose sight of what this guy did overseas. And he won 11 times in the PGA Tour, including including the Players' Championship and the Masters. Okay, so, you know, a lot of us don't believe this yet, and I've always believed this. I think the Players' Championship is the fifth major. So if you, if you, if you have that belief, now you're thinking two majors, not one. Won 16 times in Europe, once in Japan, six times in Asia, one time in South Africa, one time in Australia, and five others. Um, and besides the Masters win, twice runner-up in the PGA Championship, tied to third at the U.S. Open, and twice runner-up in the Open Championship. He was the Rookie of the Year on the European Tour. He won the Varden Trophy here in 2008, which I had forgotten. And he was the European Tour Player of the Year in 2017. Aside from that, He's played on eight of the nine last Ryder Cup teams for Europe, and he's amassed 25 and a half points for that team, which is the highest of all time in Ryder Cup play. And 405 weeks of his career, he spent in the top 10 in the world ranking and was ranked as high as second one. So if that's not a pretty strong case for the World Golf Hall of Fame, and I know there are guys in there with a lot less accolades than that, then I think we just let Sergio in, and, and, and it is kind of a no-brainer if you ask me. Yeah, so I've sort of struggled with the idea, and you're right. I think, to me, what put him over top is everything he's done, to your point, as the World Golf Hall of Fame, stuff he's done in Europe and other parts of the world. When you put, when you put all the wins together, then I think it's, it's definitely a Hall of Fame career. If you do just look at it, and you're right, I think some of the mistakes that we make here in America is we just think about the PGA Tour. And if you just think about 11 PGA Tour wins a Masters and a, and a Players, that's uh, that's good. I don't know if it's Hall of Fame worthy, but when you start racking up all of the other things, and then you, to your point, uh, maybe the cherry on top is is how good he has been and the Ryder Cup. Yeah, that probably says you know Hall of Famer to me as well. So I tend to agree you with know, you. you know, good case. You know, Chris, my 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 good friend, and you know, this, you know, this, my good friend Fred Couples is in the World Golf Hall of Fame. If you look at their their American records only. And again, this is the World Golf Hall of Fame. We've got to keep that in mind now. It's not the American Golf Hall of Fame. It's the World Golf Hall of Fame. If you look at Sergio's career next to Freddie's, they're very, very similar. You know, Masters, uh, Tournament Players Championship, Freddie won two, he won one. Um, you know, very, you know, very, very distinguished Ryder Cup careers and, and you know, made a lot of different teams. Um, there are guys in there, like I said, with, with less than these guys have done. Um, so it'd be pretty hard to turn your back on him 
considering that some of the guys that are in there, and I don't want to call anybody out that's less than, but it's a pretty impressive resume uh, and career for, you know, for the, for the globe, if you look around the globe. Yeah, and I, th- I think where I get stuck a lot of times is, is uh, I'm a big Hal Sutton fan. And uh, I believe Hal should be in the hall. And I guess you, you're right. We, you start comparing guys that are in to guys that are out. And you take a look at Hal's career versus Freddie's career. And I know you know all about Fred's career. You know, but Hal is a guy that, that uh, won 14 times. He, uh, he won the 83 PGA, won two players championships on the outside looking in. You know, and you, yeah, you tack on his Ryder Cups and he was a Ryder Cup captain. So. I would have to look at you. I would have to agree with you on that. I think Sutton has to look, have a serious consideration here based on that record. I mean, that's that's a pretty damn strong career. And and I think sometimes with voting, and I and and I'm not going to call anybody out again, but it comes down to personalities and and you know too much likes and dislike on a personal level with some of these with some of these voters and some of these guys weren't really uh, coddled or very friendly to the press necessarily, and and that that's hurt them in the voting process, but. Yeah, I think Sutton Sutton is is a Hall of Famer. He he deserves in too. Yeah, and he, you know you throw in Hal's and you know NCAA national championship and a U.S. Yeah. amateur on top of all of that, and yeah, Correct. I uh, I struggle with that. Um, well, I Tom, I want to get your thoughts on on golf clubs and and make of of our golf bags for you know for weekend hackers like me. Typically, you can get an iron set. It's going to have a four iron. It's going to have a five iron. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, that I'm good enough to hit a four iron. Uh, I'm okay with a five, but for, you know, students that you're, that you teach that, uh, that aren't going to be out there playing four or five times a week and be playing once or twice a week. Should we be looking at a, at a makeup of our golf bags and take that four and five iron out and, and have hybrids? What's your thought on the long irons versus hybrid debate? Well, it's funny that we, we, we call, first of all, it's funny that we call, um, four and five irons, long irons today. Because yeah, when I when I played the game, one and two irons were long irons, three iron was a long iron, and four and five irons and six irons were what we called mid irons. So the game's evolved just in that sense right there. And then the second thing you're wrong about, please don't refer to yourself any longer as a hacker. You're you're, you're an established player with great skills, Chris. Let's keep that in mind, okay? So let's not do that to yourself, okay? You know, show Chris a little love. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. it. Now, as we go from there, I remember when the hybrid first came out and, and we, we first hit the market and, and I hit them for the first time. I, my first impression, my very first impression was, was like cheating. It was like, you know, this makes life so much easier. Because I was never, even in my college career and when I played for a living, I was never a really strong long iron player. Um, and when you put a hybrid in my hand, you know, that, you know, that, 180 to 220 yard shot became much much easier for me. Um, now my step makeup has evolved as well, but for the average player who doesn't have a high swing speed, who doesn't have the ability to hit the center of the face as often as they'd like to, they're crazy not to have hybrids in their golf bags. Now where do we start? I mean, do we start at five iron? Do we start at six iron? Do we start at four iron? I think that comes down to personal preference and you know sitting down with a competent fitter and going through that process and determining that, um, you, I think you really have to go through a really, you know, a really strong fit to really figure out where you want that breakoff point to be between where your iron set begins and ends and where your hybrid set begins and ends. 
But I would I would highly recommend to the average recreational golfer that they look really hard at that uh, as long as they go through a really, really um, competent fitting process. Tom, I, I got to give you kudos, my friend, because I have thoroughly enjoyed your Instagram live show that you do Thursday nights, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Uh, in particular, this past week, you uh, you spent some time with Billy Harmon. Very insightful interview. The guy has had an, uh, an incredible, you know, career and incredible life, obviously, along with, with his father and his brothers. Um, I wanted you to share some of the stories, some of the things that, uh, for those that didn't get to see the interview, what you learned and what we all learned about Billy Harmon and his career. Well, Chris, first of all, I got to go all the way back to the week before Billy had this really handsome guest on, uh, Chris Mascaro, <laughs> and people got to see him. <laughs> For the first time, you know, they, they put a face with a voice, and that was probably like the highest rating, rated Instagram live show in the in the history of in the history of you know Instagram live. Period. So we, we got to give him kudos too. But uh, in all seriousness, <laughs> Billy Harmon, in in all serious, Billy Harmon, who I've known for a lot of years, uh, is one of my all time favorites. Uh, obviously, for people who don't understand the connection. You know, brother of Butch, brother of Craig, brother of Dickie, who's passed away already, and son of 1948 Masters champion Claude Harmon. Billy is uh, is an incredibly gifted teacher, um, and a, a, a passionate historian about the game of golf and how it's evolved, uh, you know, through the tournament annals. Um, a, a great storyteller. Um, and, and a wonderful, wonderful human being. I mean, and I'm talking about a really good teacher. I mean, I wouldn't put Billy or Craig or Dickie when he was alive, and I, I'm sure Butch would echo this, behind Butch and their abilities. These guys are all talented uh, teachers and coaches of this game, and, and it's, a, it's a hell of a family in terms of DNA and information. Uh, Billy's had a lot of tragedy in his life as well, and he's come through it with flying colors. Uh, talked a little bit about his addiction problem that he overcame, which was a a really tough situation and openly talked about it and, and is, and has raised an incredible amount of money with his wife on the West coast for, for addicts and for addiction recovery and really put his heart and heart and soul into that, which, you know, it, you gotta just love him for that. Uh, you know, went to a, went through a very serious cancer bout, uh, that he talked openly about too, and does a lot of work there as well and counsels people. Um, you know, he's a real, Billy's a giver. And, and talked a lot about those two aspects of his life, but then talked about his, you know, his life with his father and his brothers and, and, his, and his and growing up as a kid at Wingfoot. Uh, Claude was obviously the head professional at Wingfoot and at Seminole and later at Thunderbird in the desert. Um, and so many we were around so many great players, you know, that came through that uh, were, were, were mentored by Claude, um, the father, through the years. So he's had exposure to some of the greatest in the game of golf. Um, both through his dad and through him, you know, his own, his own successes and his brother's successes. So the Harmon brothers are like walking, talking golf encyclopedias. And anybody that gets to spend time around any of the Harmons is blessed. And I've been really lucky. I knew Dickie when he was alive and Craig's been very kind to me as is Billy. And, and, and on the rare occasions I've got to spend time with Butch. It's, it's always been, um, it's always been a helpful part of my career to say, put it very mildly. So, that was a great guest. I hope I have Billy back on again. Uh, I'm actually trying to get Billy out here this winter for a school at Crown Colony. We're hoping we can get that off the ground. Um, because you're right, he is a he's he's a he's a he's a, a golf treasure. 
And, and, and it's interesting. I think a, a lot of us know most of the Harmon brothers, but he spoke, um, you know, very warmly and about the relationship he had with, with his brother Dickie. And I didn't know a whole lot about Dickie Harmon. Um, talk about what you learned about Dickie as, as a part of that family and, and, uh, the relationship he and Billy had. Dick who I knew, um, and I told a story on air that night about the first time I met Dick was in the back of a a, a, a transportation bus at a Titleist um, seminar up in up in a Christian or Fairhaven, Massachusetts, and I never met him before, but certainly got on this bus and recognized him. And, and being Tom Patrick, I positioned myself really close to, to Dickie and Craig back there, hoping I could get you know get a word in and speak to him a little bit. And not only did I do that, but they just once we started speaking, they kind of sat me down between them and, and uh, spent the day kind of sharing with me. Uh, Dickie was um, Dickie was the voice of reason in that family. I think uh, he was he was, and I don't I don't mean this I don't mean this disparagingly at all. He was he was a tough guy. He was a no nonsense, straightforward, and Butch is that way too. But Dickie was more that way. Dickie was a no nonsense, um, no BS, you know, you know, straight shooter. Who told it like it was, and, and you had to appreciate that, you know, in, from a teaching and coaching standpoint. And you know, mentored a lot of really fine players in the Houston area, including Fred Couples early on. Um, and Billy really looked up to Dick. Billy, Billy, uh, Billy had, you know, a warm spot in his heart for Dick because Dick was the guy who, when Billy was down, uh, would, you know, and I'm not saying the other two brothers were not because that's not true, but was really there for, for Dick. For Billy, excuse me, twenty four seven, three sixty five. He, you know, he he picked him up, you know, by his bootstraps and really stood him back up on his feet and told him he could, you know, overcome some things and he could do some things as like that he didn't believe at the time. Um, so I think Billy has a very, very, very deep warm spot in his heart for his brother Dickie, who unfortunately left us way too early. TP, just a couple more before I let you go, and you know, my next guest is Chip Beck and. You played with and against Chip in college. What do you remember about going head to head with Chip? Well, first of all, Chip Beck is a is an absolute gentleman. He he is um, maybe too good, too kind for his own good sometimes competitively. I think if he had a little bit more um, hard ass in him, he he would have done even better. But he is a he was a a great technician, uh, a great ball striker. Um, a very, very, very astute player, had a very high golf IQ. Um, I, I was paired with him several times in college. And then he lived here in Naples, Florida, because I don't even know that for a while. Uh, so I got to spend some time with him here as well after he retired. Um, you know, shot 59 on the PGA Tour, part of some Ryder Cup teams and situations. Um, but more than anything else, Chip Beck is an absolute gentleman, and he, he's just a just a a, a kind, kind human being, and and please give him my best. Uh, we miss him here in Naples. Uh, I miss spending time around him. He, he's a he's a class act. TP, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the great things that you're doing. Whether it's coming to see you now in your studio there in Naples, Florida, yeah. obviously going to come see you at Crown Colony when uh, when you start there next week, but. Let everybody know how they can stay up to date with uh, all the things you're doing. Well, thanks, Chris. Most, most, more than anything else, I love to have people tune in on Thursday nights at eight o'clock to my Instagram live show. Uh, they can follow me on Instagram to get all that information as it comes out. Um, certainly, a couple of Facebook pages, Twitter, LinkedIn, 
Um, and then the website is just simply tompatry.com. And uh, I, I am available to teach non-members at Crown Colony uh, on an, based on availability basis. Uh, I even teach players as fine as you, Chris, if they came down to Florida out of the cold north. Um, but uh, more than anything else, Chris, uh, we should be saying thank you to Chris each week, not to Tom and not recognizing Tom, but uh, what Chris Mascaro does for golf and uh, the great exposure he provides to the recreational player out there on this show every week. And your, your guest your guest in your lineup is just incredible. And I'm, I'm just proud to be a very small part of your family, pal. Ah, oh, I appreciate you, TV. You're the best, my friend. Um, enjoy the rest of your birthday night, by the way. And uh, I will certainly look forward to watching your show this Thursday night. Again, Instagram Live, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And then uh, having you back on the show in a couple weeks, my friend. I love you, pal. Tell, give, please, please give Chip my best. I really appreciate it if you would. I absolutely will do so. Take care, my friend. All Thanks, the best buddy. to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, pal. That's a great Tom Patry. They don't come better than that, my friends. Uh, his instruction is uh, second to none. His uh, facilities now are going to be second to none. Now, you know, uh, from uh, listening to Tom earlier this year when he put a, a great deal of time and expense into building out that studio at his house. So you've got all the toys and gadgets available to you there. So if you're anywhere near Naples, Florida, and uh, you want to get uh, get in there and have TP help you out, Check out his website, tompatry.com, P-A-T-R-I. And uh, he's got uh, all his uh, contact information there. You can certainly reach out to him at Tom Patry on social media as well. So lots of ways to get get in there and CTP there. And then at Crown Colony in, uh, in Fort Myers, he's going to be starting up there next week. So that uh, practice facility sounds promising. So looking forward to hearing all about that as well. 